Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. I have two failed suicide attempts from gambling. Oh my God. And from being duly diagnosed, you know, some mental health challenges and childhood sexual abuse survivor. That's the other thing I advocate about. For me, it was when the abuse and the trauma started coming back around age 30 is when I started gambling a little bit more. So what happened was I was using it when those feelings came back, um, I was using it for an escape. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the Knocking Doors Down podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Inside the 5150 Studios, this is Knocking Doors Down. Your host, Jason, alcoholic, also been through some uh, childhood adversity, some sexual trauma, divorce, financial ruin. Boy, it's it's come my way, but you got to turn that around, keep pushing forward, and keep striving for the life you want. My co-host, he's handsome, he's tattooed, he's no different. He's been through some adverse situations himself. Yeah, you know, gotten myself busted a time or two. I've uh, had my fair share with the drugs and uh, some adversities. Not divorced, though. Not divorced. Didn't go through <laughs> that. No sexual trauma either, luckily, but uh, definitely have overcome some shit, that's for sure. Absolutely, and that's why we're here talking to you folks and our guest today, Catherine Lyon, no different. Um, although today we are touching on a new form of addiction we have yet to talk about, mm-hmm. and it's gambling addiction. I was waiting for this one. wasn't sure when it was coming, but I knew it was. Yeah, yeah, and the interesting thing, you'll hear it when we talk to Catherine, much like a lot of our other guests, that they have some sort of childhood trauma. She was sexually abused at some point. And interesting to me in conversing with her was the fact that the same kind of uh, dopamine reaction or whatever for those of us that that fall into addiction that we get and we get hooked on, uh, she got the same result out of gambling. And to me, that was just like, wow, it wasn't about wasn't so much about the winning um, or the losing. She said no matter what she was feeling, it was just the gambling in general. I just feel like it's super common. I really do. In the gambling world, I feel like it's super common because there's people like me who go to gamble and I'll have like $200 in my pocket. That's it. That's it. No more, no less. That's it. Oh, less. That's that's not true. No Mm. more, but I would do less. Like if I hit a slot, hit 120 bucks, I'll cash out and I won't gamble the rest of the whole time. I'm good. But then there's people like Catherine who it's just, it's the addiction. And those places are big and beautiful, not from giving you money away. So I that gambling addiction, like I said, I was waiting for one of these interviews. I knew yeah. it was going to come. I'm surprised we haven't gotten one sooner, but we finally did. And I think you guys will enjoy this one. Yeah, this is definitely insightful. And of course, we got to thank 5150 LTM, all the swag, all the gear that you see Mikey and I wearing, not only on the YouTube videos, which hopefully you subscribe to the channel. If you haven't, click that link in the uh, podcast description or on our social media posts. We couldn't do it without 5150 LTM. And all of you listening to Knocking Doors Down, they're giving giving you 20% off. All you got to do is click that link, use the code KDD20 and get 20% off all 5150 gear. You've never had anybody on before with gambling? No, you are Addiction. our first. 
Mm-hmm. We, okay. We, well, we, we branched out um, to uh, to try to touch on some different areas. We'll actually have our first uh, uh, guests coming up, uh, I believe, next week for uh, pornography, and so we've definitely. Oh tried wow! To, yeah. Yeah. So we've tried to to find those different areas that that people might see as fringe. Yet once you dig into addiction for anyone, there's so many commonalities, and we are not unique, as you know. No, we're not. And it doesn't discriminate. And gambling addiction is, is the same. Um, you know, if somebody would have asked me at age 25, 26, you know, if I would have been entangled in a gambling addiction, I'd have laughed at them. But, sure. you know, um, it's very it, it, it's very devastating um, and not just financially. I'm duly diagnosed. So I also maintain recovery. I just celebrated 14 years awesome. uh, from the bet. And, um, you know, it's not just your financial inventory and, you know, your your personal inventory. It's I don't think people realize how prevalent gambling is in our in our everyday life. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it, you know, it's an, and I guess we should start by saying, you know, what constitutes gambling? Well, Anything that's a risk or chance that you can't know the outcome is is gambling. Mm -hmm. Sure. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's a flip of a coin, a turn of a card, um, and that. And so, you know, it's it's destroying communities. Um, the the kind of the newest thing really, and this is where I became addicted. I guess I should kind of back up. Um my um a lot of it kind of it got out of control when my, my mom passed away. Um, but um, mine was from the Oregon lottery when I, where I, where I was living at the time, sure. you know, everybody, pretty much every state has a, a sponsored lottery right. and mm -hmm. that, and, and they all have different, you know, products and, and whatever. So in, in the early, well, around 90 or so they, they introduced Keno, you know, and that, and then, um, uh, right around 95, 90, no, 92, they, they started doing the video poker machines oh. and then all of this. Yeah. And it was in all the bars, restaurants that have lounges, you know, all that. And that's what I got addicted to because then later they added slot style games to those video poker machines. Right. So, you know, the access to, 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 to you know, having it. You know, there's a bar where I lived across the street. I could go over there and gamble. Yeah. I could go up a block and gamble. Then you started getting these lottery retail shops. You know, if you serve food and drink, like restaurants or whatever, they can have up to six machines. Huh. And for me, yeah, that's, that's, to me, that's predatory gambling. You are preying on, in communities on the people who really can't afford to lose money, right. you know, right. yeah. you know, and, and that even the advertising, if you look, I mean, a lot of the advertising is in your, is in a lot of your low, uh, community, you know, uh, community, lower income communities. Yeah. So for me, the last few years, and I've been working with Les Burnell of Stop Predatory Gambling, great site to go to, and you can see in you put in your state and then you can even get into your local area and see how gambling is impacting your community mm -hmm. you know um look we have you know kids have raffles high schools have casino nights to raise sure. money that's gambling i mean it may not be for money but you know so it's in our schools you know worship 
our, our churches. You know, what do a lot of these churches do at fall festivals and things like that? Bingo, Bingo nights and, and the uh, and that, casino yeah, nights. And, you know, yeah. you go, yeah, you go to the grocery store and, you know, you go to pay for your stuff and you've got a plexiglass you're looking at with all these scratch tickets, you know, in front of you. You try to go and leave and there's this big old mega buck and Powerball, you know, machine and scratch ticket. It's, you know, it's everywhere. And, and that. So, you know, the more access you have, the more people you're going to have become having a problem with it. Yeah. And, and that's what happened to me. But mine... <laughs> It's funny, yeah, Catherine. Mine, I'm, I'm, uh, I was watching uh, The Simpsons with my daughter the other night, and the, you know the Reverend Lovejoy, and he's doing. We cannot gamble our life away. Then all of a sudden, it flashes to the outside of the church where it says Bingo Night and Monte Carlo Night. You know, so there you go. Right? Why do you make and, that yeah. that, that and, reference? And but uh, and maybe people who don't have a problem. Look, <laughs> I will state right now, I have no problem. Gambling will never be banned yeah. ever. Oh no, but. It, you know, the public needs to know the, the, the danger. And because you know what, just like you said, Jason, at the end, I have two failed suicide attempts from gambling. Oh, my God. And oh, from being duly diagnosed, with, you know, some mental health challenges. Right. And I'm um, a sexual childhood sexual abuse survivor. That's the other thing I advocate about. Yeah. So for me, I had, you know, for me, it was... Um, when the abuse and the trauma started coming back around age 30 is when I started gambling a little bit more. Huh. So what happened was I was using it when those feelings came back, um, I was using it for an escape yeah, to that, numb out. That reactivation of the trauma. Yeah, right. No different yep. than, than an alcoholic, an addict, you know, drug addict. It's very relatable yep, to it's me. Exactly it's exactly the that same. Escapism. I mean, you know, the thing is with gambling, there's no substances required. All right. And so um, no substance required, no needles, nothing to smoke, no pill to pop, nothing. And But you're, you're using the chemicals within your brain and your, you know, your physical body and that. And we get the same high, rushed, euphoric feelings as a drug addict or an alcoholic who, you know, is a buzz. What it is, it's twofold. One we all know we lose control we walk over that line and then once you lose control you can never do that that certain whatever it is right. drinking you know drug drugs whatever gambling um two um it's um and that is the same as any other addiction yeah. okay that goes to any other addiction the second is the cycle you get sucked in that cycle you know, and if you don't learn through treatment or however you choose to recover, start your recovery path, you know, the cycle is what keeps you sucked in. You know, you've got a whole beginning. There's a whole round thing of, you know, a beginning, uh, the urges, cravings, whatever. And then there you go. You're out. You're back out again. But um, so the cycle, if you don't learn the tools to interrupt it, you know, and break it down. You know, that's the second piece of trying to maintain long-term recovery. Yeah, so you so, know, I, so much like with with the you know, in my situation, much with others that we speak with. So, you know, the the childhood trauma, which I want to know a little bit more about background of childhood too. But um, so was it you know like with gambling because it's it, you know it's 
okay, if I drank, I knew I was going to get drunk. Now, was it the, the thrill of just the gambling or is it the thrill of the potential winning and a different reaction if you won as opposed to when you lost? Like, for instance, when you lost, did you feel a sense of shame? Right. Whereas when you won, it was like, see, I got this. This is why I'm doing this. W was there a different reaction for you? Um, really, for me, it was the escape. It was the not wanting to feel anymore. And I always thought it was funny because when I um, I ended up in in, o, in O2 in a crisis center after my, my um, suicide yeah. attempt. And um, when I was in there, uh, the first group meeting I went to with everybody, you know, that's in the program at that time, I thought it was kind of corny that, you know, we started with papers that's, you know, feelings, you know, what, you know, what it looks like and, and whatever. And um, I'm like, really? This is kind of dumb. But you lose all that. You lose feeling. Yes. You know, you don't know how to be happy. You don't know how to be sad. You don't know how to. So, but actually with, with, um, with, with problem or addictive gambling, what it was for me was truly more just escaping. And, you know, anything could bring it on. Stress or you know, a, a trigger or an urge or whatever. Um Here's the kicker with gambling addiction. Um, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose because, really? as you know, any other disease like gambling, it invades our thinking, our choices. You know what I mean? It changes and distorts us. So um, if you lose, you're going to just keep going out there to try and chase your losses. If you win, you, you already, the disease has made you think that every single time you go gamble, you're going to win. So you really can't, <laughs> I hate to say the analogy, but you can't win for losing, <laughs> you know, because, because it is that that's really the cunning and, and devastating part of that disease. It doesn't matter. You know, then, then the behaviors start, the lying, the cheating, the, you know, I mean, sure, I always bragged about when I won. Of course. But here's the thing. You lose value of money. You want to hear something ironic? Please. <laughs> my first my first job <laughs> was in the banking industry. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay? I told people how, you know, how to save money. I did loans. I opened accounts. But when I was stuffing $20 bills in those machines, do you think I knew the value of money at that time? No. no, nope. So let no. me ask you this, Catherine. When at what point do you walk away from it? Like, say you're playing poker or the machine, you know, at the bar. What at when is enough enough for a gambling addict? When do you leave? When do you walk away? Yeah, that's really good because um, you know what an addict you pass yep. out or a drunk. You know, for me as an alcoholic, right. you pass out. It's like you're done then. Yeah, when's know? enough enough? And that's and that's the interesting thing you bring that up. Because, you know, with an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever, you know, you can look at that person and, and know that they have a problem. Right. Gambling, unless you, you learn about it and know the warning signs and, you know, some of the things like somebody going to the ATM every 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know, or mm -hmm. whatever, back and forth, you know, and it makes you really uncomfortable. When I, when I, when I got into longer term recovery, to where I could, you know, all the casinos that are around here in, in, in Arizona, California, everywhere. You know, you've got uh, big resort casinos and they have 
a conference center and and whatever and and you can go to a concert whatever well a little bit back in the day you had to walk through the casino to get into the venue right okay now you don't have to do that they have all you know you can go in and not have to go through but i can tell you i could pick out the people who were problem gamblers or addicted and it's really an uncomfortable feeling, you know, to know that that person's got a problem. Yeah. Um, when do you know enough is enough? Yeah. Um, when do you like walk is, away? Is when, yeah. Is when you're now gambling with your life, not with money anymore. How and so? that's what happened to me twice. Um, if you continue, this disease is a slow progressive disease. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the risk continues to go up, your bets are higher, um, and that, and you get to a point that you dig yourself in such a financial hole. I mean, dude, I did it all. I sold stuff, I, uh, anything of value, because look, the money will run out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't care how rich you are or how poor you are, the money will run out. It's not about the money. You know, it's about what it, it's about what it does to you. And I had us dug in such a financial black hole that I, I just never could see my way out of it, mm -hmm. you know, and really tell the truth to my husband, everything. I opened credit cards. I forged his name. I, you know, and when the money runs out, the next thing you'll steal. Yeah. And, you know, my memoir that's out right now um it's called addicted to dimes my publisher came up with that title and then the subtitle confessions of a liar and a cheat i made that i i i wanted that on there because that's what gambling turned me into mm -hmm. a liar and a cheat and yes i did steal from somebody too yeah. And that and ended up getting arrested and granted, you know, never had a criminal record. So I didn't do jail time, but did loads hours of community service and restitution <laughs> right. and that. But that's what happens. It will take you there. Yeah. You know, um, don't don't ever say you would never do it because I never thought I'd do that. Not after my background and everything I had worked so hard for. Right. You know, and then along the way, you lose your self-worth, your confidence, your reputation. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore. So the long of the, the, long of the short of it is at some point you're going to start gambling with your life. It's not, it's not just about the money. Yeah. You know. Um, well, and it makes sense, especially so, if you're doing any sort of illegal betting, you know, loan sharks or things of that nature that, that you know. I mean, I had payday loans, title loans, uh, you name it, I did it to, to keep in action, you know. And, it, you know, I was sick. I was sick. I was broken. And um, it wasn't until actually in 2006 with my my second failed attempt, um, it really was from not gambling. I had already started recovery at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like a lot of other people. I mean, I, I lapsed. I was a chronic relapser. Mm -hmm. And what was weird was when I did relapse and, you know, when you start learning about the disease and then the tools and the skills that you learn, it, somewhere in the back of your conscience, it starts to kick in. Yeah. It seeps in. So when I did relapse, oh my gosh, you think the guilt, embarrassment, and shame 
what we do to ourselves, you know, beat up on ourselves and and that, you know, I would go through it all, you know, thinking. And another thing is what's really was really hard for me was how can this be or, you know, you see you see advertisements and, you know, um you know the signs in there. It's for a few hours of fun and 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 recreation and entertainment. So why is it so bad? You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I I know now. <laughs> yeah. So let you me know? let me ask you this, Catherine. When you watch movies and TV shows and stuff like that, and there's people gambling, because obviously there's movies focused around it, TV shows, or, right? You know, does that kind of trigger something at all, or? Not anymore. Oh, no. good, good. It doesn't bother me anymore. No. Um, you know, we all have the options to choose which way we want to Okay. Right. Uh, when I first started um, my the treatment program, and here's the, another ironic thing, the Oregon Lottery paid for both crisis center stays <laughs> and my treatment. Oh, right? Gosh. Well, that's a good but thing, you know, though, but ironic. It is. Yeah, God bless them, because I wouldn't be here with you right now. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the, um, the the it doesn't bother me anymore. When, you know, I went to Gamblers Anonymous, you know, just started. You know, they made us, they don't make you go, but they kind of like put it in your treatment plan, you know. Sure, yeah. So I, I went to a, a, a few, you know, for a bit. And first off, here's the problem with just and only a 12-step model trust me I'm not downing the 12 steps you know I I do my 12 steps still Mm -hmm. and rework them and rework them and you can go back and look and see where you need more work you know or where where um, your strengths are you know and pat yourself on the back Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't gonna get me bet free right kind of right away I kind of surrendered to the part that it was going to be just for support be with like-minded people i wasn't alone other people are having you know the same problem with gambling like me yeah and that so you know um uh that really was the 12 steps as far as uh, the uh gamblers anonymous so um i needed my addiction was so bad that i needed any and everything i could get my hands on i mean i did finished my treatment program, then moved into the outpatient treatment. I worked with a specialist uh, for a year um, to help me because I almost lost it when I was going through the whole court process and that of what my one bad faux pas. Um, So I worked with him as I was going through court and doing my community service and all that. And, and if it wasn't for him, I think I probably would have relapsed, yeah. <laughs> seriously, yeah. you know. I can only imagine. Um, but I wasn't going to take the easy way out, you know. Yeah. Uh, I know everybody in recovery at one point or another thinks, you know what, this is too damn hard. You know, why do I, I have to fix myself? Why am I the one that has to do all the changing? Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, I didn't know. It was for me. Yeah. It wasn't for anybody else. It was for me. It's just like when I was using it, I was thinking, oh, I'm getting back at every single person that ever hurt me, my, my, my abusers and my, you know, 
when when you've gone through a trauma like that, sexual trauma like that, it really changes you. Yes, it does. And um, you know, something clicks inside you, and it takes a lot away from you. So it makes you even more hypersensitive as you're growing up, you know, into adulthood. I mean, somebody might make fun of me over something, and they've not wa walked in my shoes, so they don't know, you know, what what my my stuff is, and and it would bother me, you know. Working with a, a therapist, you know, getting the counseling through the treatment program, and that I have been able to look back and see what the roots and the underlying issues were. And it was the trauma. Um, uh, my parents, you know, my mom was Italian, so she was very heavy handed with discipline. Right. And, and I'm talking discipline um, that might walk over the line of not being, you know, CPS might've been called or something, <laughs> you know, and sure. um, that, you know, these kinds of things. And look, it's not excuses, and I'm not blaming them. When I wrote the book, of course, my side of the family thought it was just, you know, family. Um, the other 30, 40 reviews told me people got it. Sure, um, my, my book is not about how, um, how to recover. It's about why and how, you know, I got entangled in gambling addiction and, and why. Yeah. And and it's all from my my you know my past trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as, and as, I'm with a firm the, as with any of our our past guests, let's let's talk a little bit more. Jumping into to childhood a little bit, you told us your mom was second generation Italian immigrant, right? Yes. And then yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh, dad yeah. was a was an mm -hmm. Air Force man, which they tend to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm guessing we're I believe we're roughly the same age, so I know that that age group and our parents weren't yeah. really. Um, they weren't really, and it's not an insult, it just wasn't as emotionally intelligent a generation because of coming from parents from, you know, the Great Depression or, you know, other areas right. around that time that it was, you know, I know my parents, it was hustle, 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 you know, and, and we had all this stuff, but that even though I was loved, that didn't mean I wasn't subjected to a very similar trauma to yourself. Uh, you know, my parents right. were not heavy handed, but did you find that that was what subjugated you to you know, trusting someone that eventually abused you sexually? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Um, because um, I just started, you know, really starting to write and, and um, speak now more about um, the, the trauma, the sexual trauma. And um, it was a sibling. And then the second, well, and that lasted about two years until he went into the, into the service. And then, um, a family friend of ours, my parents, you know, it happened again, yeah. um, for about know, a year. And then, and then I had the trauma of he died. And, and then, so, you know, it was like, okay, because, you know, I had those conversations with my Lord and, say, you know, oh my gosh, just take this away. Just let him die or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like off the cuff. And then it happened. And, you know, and he was only um, 20 and that, and I'm it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, I took that on myself thinking, oh, I made that happen. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of thing. 
feeling and, that guilt. And, and, that. and so, then all of a sudden you have guilt and shame when you're already feeling shameful as is. Right. The other thing that was really hard when I first got help, um, when the nightmares started and the, and the, I couldn't stuff the haunting pain anymore, you know, and that, um, I did go to, um, a psychiatrist and, um, I kind of freaked out because, you know, when I told him who it was, he told me, you know, in the, in, in our, uh, evaluation, he said, you know, any, anything that's sexual or, you know, misconduct or whatever, it doesn't matter if it's statutory or not or whatever, we still have to like investigate it. Right. And I freaked out, you know, and, and so I, I called that person and told him and, and that, and, um, you know what happened? It's the strangest thing. He, um, the, the psychologist told me that usually anywhere from 80 to 90% when abuser abuses, they've been abused. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and so and and my brother, I called and told him. My husband was on the phone because I I had just told him. He couldn't understand what was wrong with me, my husband. And and so my brother he apologized, and he told me he said, you know, you don't understand. Uh, my nickname was Bubba. That's <laughs> my nickname. Call me Bubba. You know, I was built like a football player. You know, so <laughs> he said, "Bub." He said, "You don't understand." He said, "Do you remember, you know, Aunt Mary and Uncle Joe when we lived in 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 New Jersey?" And I said, "Yeah, we would go visit them. They lived in Brooklyn, uh, in New York." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, Uncle Joe molested me." Oh, wow. And he said, that's where it came from. He said, I just thought it was normal. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And he said, I am so, so sorry. You know, and we have made amends a couple times and that. Cool. Um, the, the other side of my family, you know, uh, when I told my parents, you know, my mom was like, she's like, you know, right away, like you were saying, Jason, you know, our parents, my mom told us for years. We had you kids and did the best we could. You didn't come with no rule book, you know. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> but, they're, <laughs> but they're very quick to be very, um, um, you know, aback. And when I first told them it, what happened, I think for my dad it clicked. My mother was like, I wouldn't have known if that was happening in my house and blah, 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 you know. And to me, not to believe me, she's, why would you be not, to, why would you be telling lies like this? and and whatever you know and it's like that's like being ab abused all over again and slapped across the face like you're a liar we'll be back with Catherine lyon and more of her story not only will we talk to her about what eventually led to her rock bottom but also how important her husband has been in her recovery and really a true love story when you really hear about it you could tell that her husband loves her very deeply and she loves him plus random questions with Catherine so don't go anywhere we'll be right back the knocking doors down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira foundation and how it all started all proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira foundation's race to be drug-free campaign so what's that all about through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. 
This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. When my dad passed last month, I have the comfort of knowing that if my parents are in heaven, which I hope they are, they now know the truth. Yeah. That's what gives me comfort today. Yeah. They now finally know, you know, and it wasn't anything on, you know, about what they did. Um, they did the best they could. Um, you know, um, my other siblings, look, you know, when I first had to start taking meds for my, um, for my mental health challenges, um, you know, they made fun of me. Why do you have to take those? Oh, look out. She's going to go postal and, you know, and they're hurt. That's hurtful. Sure. And that they just never understood and they never really, they don't embrace or grasp the concept that people can get better. You know, whether, you know, addiction, I never hurt any of my family with my addiction. I was 982 miles away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they lived in Southern California. I never borrowed money. And if I did, I always paid my parents back. You know, it wasn't any of that. I, I don't, I just think they didn't want to acknowledge the mental health. That's what it sure. was. And sure. I can tell you, <laughs> there are one or two of us that I think was on, on one of my mom or dad's side of the family, <laughs> you know. But why do you make fun of me? Because I choose um, to be healthy and be managed and take care of myself. Yeah, I think that, that's- I think it's a lot of what we we do in spreading and and kind of bringing the the stigma down. You know, not only with the this podcast, of course, Carlos's book knocking doors down, but his foundation. You know, with the you know the they have a program for mental health. Of course, along with the the you know keeping kids off the off drugs and off the streets, as well as the autism program, um, is to to really end that. That there are some of us. You know, and I'm. I kind of right. have similarities with with your story. I know for me, you know, drinking was life became so out of control that I I thought that was my way to escape, and yet I could totally manage it. It was the thing that I can control when every aspect of my life was out of control and became unmanageable. And you right. know, people don't right. realize and, these, these and then, traumas. And then you, yeah, you get to that point where you just say, you know, it's true. You know, only one of the slogans. You know, eventually you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. You know, yep. being an addicted gambler and having to lie and hide and wait at the mailbox and, you know, uh, finagling, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul in our checking account and our savings account. It was exhausting. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yes, it is. <laughs> I was so happy when the cat was out of the bag. You know? <laughs> Seriously, because it really was. And, yeah. you know, the one thing that really scared me the most was me dying of a heart attack or something and my husband finding everything. Mm-hmm. What would he have thought of me if I would have never finally got help? And be, you know, and started recovery and being able to be honest with him, yeah. and and tell him, you know, he knew something was up. <laughs> he just didn't know what, right. you know, and and that. So, you know, I, I'm very very blessed today to have him. You know, he stuck through the stuck through this 
with me. You know, I took this man to hell and back in a handbasket. And he, I gave him every opportunity to walk out. And he never did. Yeah. And he did. And that he even went to therapy and counseling with me through the program, through the treatment program. And that, you know, that speaks volumes. That is you know? goals and if I I've ever him. heard it. That is goals I'm right telling there. you. Yeah, really. <laughs> one day, you Jason, know? one day we'll find that. That is, <laughs> well, that is But lo- I did. And that is love. That's and what people love. don't, under, you know, yes. we, we get painted these pictures in, in uh, stories and movies oftentimes. And, and no, that, you know, that it's this romance and this, you know, magically being whisked away. No, it's things like that because, right. uh, you know, and, and I got to. Today we know. Yeah, today we know that with our faith and um, loving one another, we can weather any storm, any. Sure. You know, we can overcome any obstacle. You know, he has accepted me for who I am. Um, You know, our past does not define who we are. And he gets to see me every day because I work, the work I do, my advocacy work, my writing, my you know, helping, I sponsor people, you know, on the, and I talk to them on the phone, on the computer. I mean, he gets to see that every day. And, you know, and he tells me, he said, you know what, he'll look over at me and he'll say, I'm so proud of you, you know, and then of course, you know, the faucet and tears come on, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, um, he's just an amazing man and and i'm very blessed to have him in my life yeah. we call him big tom his name is tom I love and it. um actually randy gave him the name big tom <laughs> <laughs> randy grimes you need to have him next you know that right yeah well you'll you'll have to connect <laughs> us him and his, yeah i'll 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 uh have you have you been introduced yet uh, i don't recollect offhand yeah well i'll get that done for you okay him and, him and his wife yeah, they do great work and and that and I just enjoy doing events or speaking or whatever. But how how that came to be was I um on the uh, the flip side I I uh, I began writing for a year with another former NFL pro. Won't name any names. And Can we get the um, team? here's the problem with <laughs> a- go ahead with advocacy work. Um, yeah, I worked for Ingham Recovery Magazine. Um, mm-hmm. they were they were out of Prescott here. Uh, Kim Welsh was the owner, mm-hmm. and um, I worked for them for about two and a half years. And I started to help Janet, the head um, um, editor. We started doing um, you know some interviews. They usually did the front cover of the magazine and that. Well, she needed you know we, we were getting a lot of people. Um, I'm blessed I was able to interview um, Christopher uh, Kennedy Lawford, um, uh, an, a couple other former NFL pros. Um, who else today? But that's how I met a lot of these people. And they end up supporting my recovery. You know, I'm considered a background person. <laughs> I love to network, you know, whether it's, you know, literary or recovery. Um, I enjoy meeting people, as you know, on Twitter. I love <laughs> to engage. I love to share awareness, and that, and that's how I meet a lot of them. And you know, it's just you know, it's like, again, addiction does not discriminate. So it doesn't matter who it tries to claim. Yep. It can be an, uh, a former NFL pro. It could be a hockey player. It could be regular person like me. Um, 
every life is worth more than a million. You cannot replace life. Sure. And so for me, everything that I do, get to do every day, that's, that's part of having a beautiful life, but a, a beautiful recovery lifestyle. Absolutely. I live my recovery every single day. And so recovery doesn't have to be hard. You know, if you get that inner work done, you tap into the underlying issues of why you turn to gambling and share how, you know, your hope, strength and, and your experiences, you're going to help so many people. And as you said, shatter the stigma. This, this, this disease has so much stigma around it yeah. still. You know, well, I think um, I, th I think because it's a little more not to downplay it, a little more fringe. It's not out there in the awareness. People go, "Oh, drugs, okay, makes sense. Uh, alcohol, okay, makes sense." But you know, not only is there there's gambling addiction, sexual addiction, uh, you know, and you look at that. There's p really odd, more quote unquote fringe areas of things that people uh, eating disorders or or uh, whatever yeah. else it is. Yeah. There's so many different areas that that aren't really brought to light as much as, as they should be. Um, which leads me to right. want to ask, because I know for me, I was I was a binge drinker. I wasn't the guy that could wake up in the morning and drink and drink all day. I couldn't do it. It was kind of more, you know, get my mind stopped and to sleep. What were your patterns with your addiction? Were you the person that just came in, bought $100 in scratchers and came back two days later? Or were you, oh my gosh, I got this ability to go and get these funds from this credit card, withdraw cash, and I'm going to disappear for two days of gambling? Or was it an amalgam of all those? Uh, it was all of it. And especially toward the end before I went to treatment. Dude, I was gambling four or five times a day. <laughs> oh, I was going before work, on my lunch hour, after work. And it depends. If I was winning, I was only going because I thought I was going to win some more, sure. you know, again. And if I lost, I would go back because I was trying to chase the money I lost. Right. You know, Chasing it, yeah. Nobody, yeah, nobody ever does the simple math. You hear somebody, um, you know, bragging all the time and uh, about winning and all, but they don't do the simple math, okay? When someone tells me, oh, yeah, I won $800 at the casino, I'm like, oh, great. How much did you have to play to win 800 Oh, I don't know, about $500. Well, you didn't win $800. Yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah>. won three. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, well... When you're an addicted gambler, you don't you don't look at all that. It's like, uh, uh, I won eight hundred, you know. And yeah, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Um, no, mine, yeah, mine progressed. Um, once you cross that line into uncontrolled gambling, it it's like a free for all. And yes, I have done, I have done the casino thing. Um, addicted to dimes with my book. My 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 publisher said. My analogy, my, my diseased analogy was um, at that time when I was gambling those years ago, why would I just play the uh, Oregon-sponsored um, machines and only win 600 when I can go up north 41 miles from my house and go to uh, the Indian casino and win thousands? Yeah, right. And so that's where he came up with the, you know, I was only playing with, I was only winning dimes. Then I graduated from that to going to the ca the casino all the time, so it just depended, you know. And I'd be at the casino at seven o'clock in the morning. 
I always found casinos. You know, once my husband left out, out the door, man, I was in that shower getting ready, and I was up there. <laughs> That's crazy. I always found casinos. And, and it, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> it's so like damn intimidating when you would go pull out money. I would go to because I I didn't go to casinos a lot. So when I did, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna pull out like forty bucks. You know what I mean? And then it would be right. the options are two hundred, four hundred, six hundred cash advance, and I'm just like. Wait, what? Like, <laughs> right? I know. But, but that's but that's the interesting oh, yeah. thing about varying addictions, Cat, is that for me, like when I would go, no matter what I you know, and I've been gambling with friends that I think probably may have had a problem hitting that that uh, ATM over and over. Mine was Okay, I've come for $150 with $150. That is my entertainment. If it lasts me five minutes or it lasts me two days on this trip, great. There you go. But yeah. 30 seconds later. But someone like, <laughs> but, but someone Cash opposite out. of me, you know, it's like that non logical thing when it came to drinking. It's like, you know, it's like, wait a minute, having a 30 pack of beer isn't normal over the weekend? You know? <laughs> so it's weird how the disease of yeah. addiction, it's like, yeah, gambling wouldn't hit me and drugs never hit me, but boy, that alcohol did. Whereas for you, it's like, you know, it was the gambling. Well, you know, and yeah, and, and gambling fit the bill for me because I was never really a hard alcohol person. Sure. I mean, come on now. We did, I did my share of drinking in my early 20s. Sure. Dude, I can tell you some stories, <laughs> you know, going down to Hollywood and the Troubadour and the Whiskey Go Go. Oh, I. Dude, I did it all, and I've seen it all, but I never participated. Right. You know, same with drugs. I have a heart problem, so I never did drugs. I did coke one time and thought my heart was going to beat out of my chest, you know, Sounds and do the, the hoochie dance or something <laughs> on my head, you know. I so thought my I heart learned. was going to beat out of my chest, too, but I kept doing it. That's where we differ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, but now, you know, today's today's world, it's it's so different you know i mean this stuff with you know the painkillers and the fentanyl and you know i try to educate myself on all different addictions because in order to be able to network and help others you know we all need to know a little bit about you know other addictions yeah. and that and you know i had friends in Cal southern california look i knew you know chronic weed, you know uh smokers and you know would take you know, um, uppers, downers, volume, whatever, you know, and then mix it with alcohol. But you know what? You can't do that today. Yeah. Because especially if you're buying that shit off the street, <laughs> the, it'll kill you. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple friends that um, one, one of my friends, her dad passed away. He was um, got got sucked into the, the pain pain clinic you know, management yeah. mm -hmm. and that, and he ran out of his, I don't know what it was, but he also took uh, psych meds like me. Um, luckily I'm down to just two finally. Excellent. But, um, um, he went out on the street and bought, bought a couple pain pills and it was laced with fentanyl and it killed him. Oh my God. And so, you know what? I know that stuff is dangerous. Here's, Here's some things that people, they don't understand or would see, you know, think about with gambling. Right now, one in five problem gamblers or addicted gamblers will try suicide. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is now the number one addiction claiming lives by suicide over drugs and alcohol. Wow. And 
oh, we're almost to 3% of actually the world population uh, uh, problem gamblers. 3%. Wow. You know, it doesn't sound like a lot. You know, dissect that down and that. Um, I did, I did a, a Facebook uh, post one time on my, uh, my recovery uh, page on my Facebook. And I just wanted to see right before the holidays, because I know that's one of the, the key times is the holidays, you know, yeah. gamblers get a little bit more, um, yeah, you know, anxiety and not enough money for gifts and this and that, you know, I've been there. I've been that. I did it. Can't tell you how many Christmases I walked up and down aisles wishing I could buy something and I couldn't because I gambled all the money away, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I did a Facebook ad uh, post and I boosted it and I did it for four days. I think I spent 30 bucks. It was like, I don't know, three or $4 a day. The statistics I got back, you know, the stats I got back was incredible. Um, I think it was the, the dynamic. I always thought it would be high, you know, uh, older, older folks sure. because older well, everybody's susceptible to this, to this addiction, but you know, your older folks, when they retire and that, you know, they got a lot of hand, time on their hands. Mm -hmm. Well, with this pandemic, this last year, um, online gambling has skyrocketed 41%. Oh yeah. I can and imagine. that's not, yep. And that's not including sports betting. Okay. Venues. Wow. Um, and that, the demographic that was the highest was women, and it was the age between 45 and 60. Really? Huh. And I had over four, over 1,400 clicks on that boosted ad. I am not kidding. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. You know? So don't tell me it's not happening because it is. Yeah. You know, um, that, that it is touching now what i try to advocate as well um uh you know on um pretty much at all platforms though uh social media platforms you know parents need to start including gambling because sure. you know it's reaching our teens it's reaching our young college age you know kids and and that what are your kids doing on the internet mm -hmm. yeah you know mm -hmm. what are they what are they doing yeah. They might be gambling, and you don't even know it. Well, think about it. You know, I, I remember me getting off to college for the first time. It was the first time I opened a credit card. I wasn't really taught any financial responsibility, how to, you know, do a ledger and, and do my checkbook right. and everything else. And it's, you know, it's even more now as a parent, we've got to talk about any and everything and educate them more. You know, I'm honest with my kids about my struggles their mom is honest with them about them i'm honest with them about the right. things that happened to me as a kid just to educate them and gambling is an area i would have never thought of, but you, but you're right in every single area we gotta arm our youth with knowledge because it, it it sounds corny yep. and like it's a, one of those cliche psa you know and you know talk with your kids but it's fucking true you need to it is true and you know what it's just like um i always use porn addiction Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had a, a friend of mine, her son was doing that. I said, well, do you know what he's doing on the internet? You know, I mean, you have to do that. You've got to put things, you know, in place, um, parental or whatever, 
you know, it doesn't matter how old they are. If they can get into it, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get into it, yep. you know, and, and that, and he became having a problem with it. You know, uh, I, I, it, you know, it just, it, it really, it, it blows me away, you know, with the online, well, it doesn't blow me away, you know, with this pandemic, it's been hard for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it's turned recovery and, it, you know, maintaining recovery upside down. Pretty much everything's done now on the internet. You know, I miss that person to person contact, yeah. um, being able to walk into a meeting instead of, you know, online, but you know, there's there's a lot of really good resources out there, um, you know, that can help if people do have a problem. Um, yeah, can you share some of those with folks? Yeah, um, well, uh, one of the main ones um, that I, I do, uh, uh, the National Council on Problem Gambling, mm-hmm. um, you can, you know, Google it. And uh, they have resources, treatment options, um, pretty much everything. And... Um, I want to thank you both for for having the audacity to talk about gambling addiction and recovery because uh, March is um, Problem Gambling Awareness Month, uh, all month. And so what I do with the National Council on Problem Gambling is I uh, sign up my blog, my recovery blog, and um, I do two blogs per week, uh, posts, and then... um, I try to find uh, a few like this, you know, a podcast shows, or I've done two others, um, and that uh, that I'm going to use for the weekends during March um, for my highlights, you know, this a special, you know, event post. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see, uh, stop predatory gambling. That is a really good place. Um, they have, um, you know, amazing resources also and again you can see how gambling uh, you know how they're advertising um les Brunel does a lot um in washington dc through his foundation uh stop predatory gambling because let's be honest you know these casinos and you know the state lotteries and all that they get their licenses and all but they have to you know give back a percentage like for treatment or Whatever, but it's minimal. Yeah. The, you know, that'll be a whole nother show is for-profit gambling because, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the lottery. The, you know, we see the commercial on TV. Oh, oh we make your gracious. parks beautiful. Yeah. You know, we, we um, you know, help with schools and whatever. With that then why are our schools... Yeah, right? Then why are our rural schools still struggling? Now, this is before pandemic hit, of course. You know, why are the sports programs not back in place? Where Where is the percentage that you're supposed to be paying back, you know, to, to, to make our parks clean um, and give these kids music and sports and whatever? Um, it's just, it's it's a big lie, yeah. you know, just so they can continue to sell the products. Yeah. You know, um, one thing that really got me upset in Oregon, they were doing, um, sending scratch tickets to the districts, the school districts. And then um, they would have a scratch-off contest, right? The faculty. And you got kids around the table watching them. And, of course, whatever they win, the lottery, you know, pays them, and it goes to the school, whether they need books or whatever. You're teaching kids how to gamble. Yeah. Come on now. It's no different than the the marketing, uh, 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 like a McDonald's with the Happy Meal. It's the introductory product, you know? 
Or vaping exactly. with fruity flavors, attracting kids, yeah. cotton candy, bubble gum. There you go. Yeah. You know, it's just, it. yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's touching teens, it's touching college kids, <laughs> retired folks, yeah. and regular everyday people. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know and it's just you know it's in our communities and you know it's just like it, it, you gotta say eventually enough is enough yeah absolutely. and and that as far as you know uh for the public but uh you know i'll tell you i'm very loud and um i let the public know you know they need to know a lot of this yeah um and what's happening but right <laughs> you got any other questions? <laughs> well, uh, we, what we always like to do is let the, the guests uh, have the last word and words of encouragement, but uh, I do want to jump into a fun thing that we do. You've listened to the podcast, our random questions. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Mikey, you're up first. All right. Let's do this. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. How could it not be? You know. How does an Italian not use that word? I grew up on that fuck. word. Sorry. Good point there. Huh? Hey, it by. go fuck yourself. Huh? Uh, any pet peeves? Um, gosh, not really. No. Um, you're you're the second only person one this week vice, to say that. I do still smoke cigarettes and that's the only vice I got left pet peeves. Yeah, when my husband doesn't pick up behind himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. It, it just drives me crazy. Sure. I mean, we've been together 33 years now. You think he'd get it? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I can relate to that. If you could travel anywhere <laughs> in time but you had to stay there. Anywhere in time, but you had to stay there. Where would it be and why? I'd have to say it's got to be pre-addiction, pre-addiction, 80s. Yeah. The 80s, and we haven't touched on this yet because, um, you know, we have wrestling in common. That's right, and the we 80s do. Were, and the 80s were fantastic when, it, when Hulk Hogan came back. You know, and Randy and Ray, you had Randy Savage. You yeah. had a what was the guy that wore the kilt? Uh, oh, Rowdy, Rowdy, Rowdy oh, Piper. Oh, you mean Rowdy, 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 Rowdy Piper? Piper. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, my dad was a huge, you know, old time ga uh, gambling, old time res uh, wrestling fan. So he liked like Bruno and yeah, uh, Freddie Blassie. Yeah. Um, who else? John Tolas. Uh, yeah, we we used to go visit my other aunt in Los Angeles. And do you remember the old Olympic Auditorium? Yeah. We would go, she would buy tickets. It would be a double, I guess you call it double header. We'd go see in the afternoon uh, the Los Angeles Thunderbirds, roller derby. Do you remember that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then they'd take an intermission, and then in the evening was wrestling. And we'd watch, you know, and, and that. I I seen The Rock, um, his 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 father wrestle. Oh, in you the, saw her, in the, Soul uh, Man Rocky Johnson. Yeah, in the mid, yep, in the seventies. Um, let's see, I've touched. Uh, he don't know it, but I touched um, Hulk Hogan's bicep twice as he walked by. <laughs> and oh, I have to show. And let me show you. Here, here's my prized possession. 
Uh, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, the Hulk Hogan autograph there. Heck yeah, yeah. that's and awesome. The one, yeah. Yep, isn't that awesome? That's and incredible. I have to thank Randy Grimes for buying it for me. That's so cool. Um, we were having a bid off, and he he lost, so he bought it for me. Um, yeah, so um, I would have to say, yeah, the '80s That's because cool. it was awesome. I yeah, ha- yeah, yeah. got to be the '80s, and I would love to stay there. Yep, music, movies, it was television. Awesome. Oh, everything. Music, I was created in the yeah. '80s, so yeah, yeah, it was dope. I just, I just watched <laughs> Pretty in Pink the other night. That was a, a cute movie. Love yeah. It. yeah. Uh, was it me or you? It's you. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> if you could have dinner with just one person, living or not, who would it be and why? Wow, that's, yeah, you know. Mm. Oh, gosh. Let's go to the next question. Is that the last question? No, <laughs> well, I got There's one for you. There's too many to I got okay. one for well, you. Well, just give us one, any fun one, because we have like a list of 20 people, so any fun person um, that you can I, think of. I would probably have to say Shirley MacLaine. Really? Yes. Why yeah. is I, I just, I loved her work. I love her work. I love her movies. Um, She's a free spirit. Yeah. She is a free spirit. She seems like she'd be so much fun. And um, now that she's older, I would, you know what? I got to tell I love old people. I just <laughs> love waiting on old people at the bank. You know why? Because they already have the wisdom that we're now learning. That's right. That's they nice. have lived those lessons, and I would love to pick her brain. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Shirley yeah. McClain. I do, too. I love old people, too, because even if they're mean as hell, it's like, funny in a way you know what I mean? like you kind of, it's just like it's okay you could say that you're yeah. 89 it's i'm not taking just, any offense to it just cantankerous as hell and whatever and it's so different because if you're 89 and saying that it's like oh plus you're a little hard but if you're 29 and saying that i'm gonna smack you in the mouth yeah you're like but you're just a dick then. <laughs> um all right let's see here if they were to make a movie about your life who would you cast to play you which celebrity would you cast to play you? Oh man, probably um, um Christie Alley. Awesome, Christy Alley. Oh yeah, Love I like Christie Alley. Yeah. Love yeah. It. Well, Ms. Um, Catherine, we. Uh, I'm a little voluptuous, oh, and so is she. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, she, she's got kind of the same sense of humor as I do. Right. Yeah. She is a spitfire. Yep. That's so it for works. Sure. It'll work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Well, Miss Catherine, we like to leave the uh, guests with the last uh, words. So, um, you know, words of encouragement and education and a little bit more about, you know, yourself. As you said, you, you know, you um, work with authors to get their bodies of work out there and, and advertise them and social media. So if you want to go ahead and let people know how they can get a hold of you that way and then leave with words of encouragement please um yeah i am um, well i i now reside in uh phoenix arizona and um i have my recovery uh blog um i i uh basically i write you know a lot too of my advocacy um i'm currently a contributing writer and columnist for keys to recovery newspaper Dot com. They're um, amazing. Um, free publication for everybody. So you can go and subscribe. 
they'll mail you a copy. You can read it actually online or download it. My, uh, my column's called Quit to Win. I've been writing for them now almost three years. And that I began writing for them, um, and they offered me my my own column there um, uh, right after I got done uh, uh, with In Recovery Magazine. Um, I have a recovery blog um, that I blog. It's called BetFreeRecoveryNow.wordpress.com, and I have loads of resources listed there. Um, I do guest articles. I write, you know, my own journaling. Um, and share um, there. They can find me on Twitter. Um, I have two Twitters, one for, for recovery and one for my my books. Um, I'm at Kit Cat Lion. They can follow me there. Um, and my recovery is um, love, which is L-U-V, and then lower hyphen recovery. And that's my recovery Twitter. Um, I am on LinkedIn. Um, they can find me on Facebook under Catherine Townsend Lyon, um, and I have three pages there. So, whichever one we'll throw, uh, <laughs> we'll have we'll have all the links in the description too. So we'll have you send us all of them. So if people just want connect okay. on their favorite platform, yeah. we'll put it in the podcast description too. Okay, um, and I guess you know, um, I guess I would really close with. Um, you know, if anyone, a loved one, anyone has someone that they care about um, and, and you know, they think they have a gambling problem, you know, look, there's no shame. There's no shame in reaching out for help. Um, you know, um, the, you know, the disease, it, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, whether it's like you said, Jason, whether it's, it's drugs, uh, gambling, porn, whatever. Do not hesitate. Don't waste another day being sick, broken, and and lost. That's how I was, you know. So today what I say is I try to reach out to those, the lost, you know, the least, and the hopeless. Never give up hope, you know. And there's no shame in admitting that you have a problem. And um, that that's really and 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 hope, you know, um, today, my father is the father above. I wouldn't be here today. He gave me my life purpose. Um, he gave me um, the uh, the courage to reach out and and uh, and and start my recovery path. Yeah, that, that's what I would love to end with. Catherine Lyon, thank you very much. Uh, just an awesome lady. Been a huge supporter of the podcast. So it was great to finally get her on and, and talk with her, share her story. And, uh, of course, if you guys are more interested in, in the stuff she does, maybe you have a, a book that you're putting out that is the work she does is market uh, independent literature. So if you are enjoying the podcast, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcast app or wherever you are listening. Share it with a friend. It's simple. Just click the those little dots and hit the little share forward the link to a friend post it on your social media or hey if you're subscribing to the youtube channel as well share it on your social media it's easy to do on your facebook we appreciate it and it helps spread the word
Uh, Mikey, you got that shit-eating grin on your face. What's up, my brother? You know, I, I just got to say, during the random questions, how what was she giving her husband shit for, like not picking up or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Like, you know what? Your husband has been through it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cut him some slack, all right? Uh, Catherine was a sweet girl. I'm just It was awesome to have her on. It was very inspiring, and she she was a good talk for sure. I'd like to talk to her again in the near future, but cut him some slack. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was I was thinking about that oddly last night. Uh, last night, you know, prior to us releasing this, is that I was talking with my daughter about that and how people work different. It's like, well, you got the person that wants everything kind of clean, neat, and tidy, whereas I'm like, did my socks make it in the drawer? Okay, I don't really care. So it's yeah. like certain people want certain things one way and certain people want them the other way. It's kind of like, all right, if you want it one way, then you make it that way. I won't interfere, but you also got to accept I do things my way, so I to just, speak. So. I just had to say, I was thinking about even during the interview, I'm just smiling like, come on, Catherine, leave him alone. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, but e- Either way, overall, good talk. <laughs> yeah, no, Catherine's a great lady. Again, for more on her, make sure you click those links in the bio. And uh, Mikey, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, I'm going home. On that note, people, keep knocking doors down. Fifty-one fifty is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams, and working hard. Always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, "What if?" Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150ltm.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.